Hey, we back, baby. New episode. A lot's been going on. We got to get caught up. This is the Fresh Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. GQ, a.k.a. Poppy Day Chocolate, a.k.a. Short Time. The host, the creator of the show, the Fresh Podcast. You know what I'm saying? We up here in the Love Loft just chilling. Turbo's here chilling, and we have a special guest today. Somebody I found out about a, a few years ago, filmmaker, director, Mr. Bobby Hudley. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm awesome, man. I made it. I made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So, man, yeah, listen thank you for Oh, yeah, man. Uh, thank you for doing this. Mm-hmm. I'll say I found out about you about a year or so ago uh, through the auntie trailer. And I was, oh, wow. just, I was like, damn, I was like, Hey, that was a dope ass concept. Like, and then I saw Pam and Tommy and I was like, this one needs to be like, I thought both of them should have been made, but I was like, I like that whole concept, you know, that you, that you did with those. So, can uh, you, thank you. so can you tell the people exactly, you know, how you got started in, in the films? Got you. Um, well, um, I started getting into filmmaking at the age of 10. Um, I really was in music first, but in uh, a whole bunch of different mediums of art, like drawing, dancing, singing, painting, all that stuff. But film was where I found you could combine all of those things. And uh, my dad used to work at Renner Center, and I asked him to give me a camera for my 10th birthday. Okay, and uh, he put one in my hand, and it's been pretty much on and popping ever since. What kind <laughs> and of it wasn't a, oh some sort of Panasonic something. It was one of those big, huge ones with the you know BHF tapes. You know, it was like twenty pounds. Oh, so. did you put on your shoulder? Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> I remember those, man. I thought I was like only like the rich people who people who had like some money had them back in the day. I mean, like I said, my dad was able to make one fall off the back of a truck somehow. I ain't asked no questions. Hey. You <laughs> <laughs> worked it out. That's what's up, man, because I, I had a similar thing like with, like, films. When I was in the third grade, we had, like, a little new, like a little news station or whatever. And since I was too young, they didn't put me on camera, like, to be a newscaster. So I was a cameraman. Mm-hmm. So they had, like, a little stool and I'm just looking through the camera and this like this one like older chick is like whispering in my ear telling me like what to do, zoom in and like zoom out and all that. And that's how I got hooked and like started like doing like I've like directed like some music videos and like a little documentary and stuff like that. But like, yeah, that's when I started getting into stuff like that too. Yeah, that's dope. That's that's stuff I love to hear, like being able to get those opportunities when you're young. And so that's why I definitely think it's so important to just since to allow the younger people, the kids, to get some experience and try different things because you don't know what they're going to hook on to. Pretty much, like I said, since the age of 10, I've been on this track ever since. So, yeah, you got to support the kids, man. Support the babies. So, at the age of 10, what was you filming? So, um, just me and my cousins acting stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, I, I connected the dots a few years ago where, you know, I used to love Mad TV. I don't know if you remember that show or know yeah, it. Yeah, I remember But it was yeah. on Fox. Yes, yeah, so like Matt TV, SNL. So 
just redoing their skits and their sketches and stuff and you know and then just taking my cousins and doing our own twists on them and getting the whole family to sit down every weekend watch what we filmed over the week like it was just that was the one time I could get all of my family's attention so yeah we were just doing little skits or spoofs or different little things like that yeah hell yeah where you from Ooh, that's a little complicated I'm a military brat okay (laughs) (laughs) but uh mainly uh Seattle Washington is where I spent a lot of my formative uh you know, years as, as a kid, but I moved to Atlanta when I was 12. So I've been here since I was 12. But before that, a whole bunch of states and cities and countries all over the place before then. I feel like I got to get back out to Atlanta. It's been a, a little minute since I was out there. And like since I was like 16, like a dream of mine has been wanting to go to like the Magic City. And I got to make that shit happen, man. <laughs> <laughs> give it like a little update to the people. I want to say, man, a shout out to the people back in my hometown. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, but I live in LA and I went back, I went back last week and performed. I do stand up also. So man, shout out to all my folks and stuff that came out there to see me perform. And then like the other people that was just there at the little show, you know, that laughed and came up to me and it's like, Oh man, you did a good job. So man, thank y'all to y'all appreciate it. You know, uh, I usually don't even get like nervous before I get on stage, but for some reason I was nervous and I'm like, maybe because it's like folk that I actually know or whatever, but now I went up there and as soon as I get on stage, like all like my little nervousness and like anxiety goes out the window and you know, I did my little thing and like my aunt, she was like, like she's like eased up, but she used to be like super religious. Like every time you talk to her, she would like incorporate God in it. And sometimes I'd be like, damn, I don't even answer the phone for your ass right now. I don't want to hear all this shit. But she's like she's like eased up over the years, you know what I'm saying? And I talked to her, and oh, she, yeah. she was like, "Oh, this it was just like so funny and all this." I was like, "Oh man, I'm glad you enjoyed it." And one of my OGs was kind of like, "Man, some of the stuff that you said, it just I just cringed because it was like because it came from you because I know you as a little kid and whoop de whoop." I was like, "Well, look, man, it is what it is." I'm like, "But you grew up on Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, you know what I'm saying? I ain't even say nothing mm-hmm. extreme of what they was doing, uh, but it was it was good, man." So. Right, right. You know, I commend, I commend comedians, man. That, that's hard. I, I, I gave it like uh, two or three tries. You know, yeah. I, I did really good on the first one. You got that beginner's look. I was like, oh, yeah, I try to do this. You know, I'm funny. I'm goofy. And then that second time, that's when reality hits in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I was kind of nervous because like the last like three or four shows had like the audience was just shitty. And I was like, oh, man. But I didn't feel too bad for real. Because they was like that with everybody. And I was like, man, there was some decent people on stage. And some people was weak as fuck. But I was like, and I I was just used to always getting like good applause. The only time it was like not an applause. If I went to like an open mic and it was like just all comedians and shit, it would be like six people. Then them motherfuckers, they just look at you. But if it's like an actual, if it's like the public there, like they clapping and all this. And the last few, the audience was just like. I don't know and I was like man I ain't trying to go through this no more and it had me like second guessing a lot but then I was like they treated everybody like that so it wasn't like it was laughter laughter and I got up there and it was crickets so you know what I'm saying I, that made how, me long, feel how long have you been doing it man I just hit my year in September no August or something like that August or September Oh man, come on! You are don't, don't take offense, but you a baby comic. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. A lot of comedians, you know, podcasts and stuff. They got to hit ten years. 
So you a baby up until 10 years, and I said, you just got to keep that, that light on, bro. Yeah. Are you passionate about it? Yeah, man, I am, bro. Like, I get on stage and just I give it my all, and I'm always, like, writing and coming up with stuff. So, yeah, I love it, man, for real. And I'm I'm tired of fucking slaving for the white man, so I would love for these jokes to make me some good money and shit. <laughs> like I'm out of here, bye. I hear that, man. No, that is it's definitely needed. We need more people like you, especially right now. So yeah, definitely got to keep that going. Yeah, and then uh, I emailed the the cat man. Shout out to Craig up there at the Comedy Caravan. So I'll be back out there December the sixth. So everybody who's in Louisville or like surrounding areas or whatever. So December sixth, that's a Wednesday. Show start at seven thirty. I'll be back out there. So when I when I was looking up, you kind of sparked the interest or got like the the thing the train moving with the new edition biopic that was on BET. Oh, <laughs> uh, sounds like that. Yeah, depends who you are. <laughs> All right, can you tell us about that? Because I, I watched that, um, I watched that trailer. Like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just at that time. It was, well, the story, there's a story before the story, but of course, as you know, huge new edition fan, lifelong. It's in our DNA. And, you know, I'm just looking around as a kid, teenager, like, yo, we need a new edition movie. Like, you know, we had, you know, the Temptations, Jackson's, Five Heartbeats, even though that was a fictional band. But you know, so I was like, we need something more new and current. Okay. And no, I was not to uh, not to cut you off. I'm so glad you said five heartbeats because I have a story. Something just happened about that. But and we'll talk about that after. But go ahead, my bad. Oh yeah, yeah, we need that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was always speaking and sharing. I used to be in like the you know throwback Yahoo groups of the new edition fans and all that. Like, hey, I want to do this movie, and I was like 14, 15 years old. Uh-huh. So. uh it was something I was always trying to do. I went to film school, and, you know, even after I got out of film school, I was still trying to pursue, like, how can I do it? How can I piece it? Because, you know, you just don't know when you're young. You just kind of just try to piece things together. So I finally graduated, and I saw them for the first time. This was uh, 2014. Uh, I saw them for the first time, uh, and it was all of them together, you know, and I'm like, yeah, now's the time to do it. And, um, yeah, it, it, it pretty much took like six months. You know, we auditioned, you know, some, you know, new upcoming talent in Atlanta. Taught them, you know, the, the, the choreography and treated them like a real group and all that stuff. Did the hair, clothes, wardrobe, makeup, all the things. And, uh, yeah, I saw that it was on point. Like the wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we worked really hard. Yeah. And I even, we even have like a little 30 minute documentary showing every, you know, step by step of, what we did, how we put it off, and what what went into it, and it, it went crazy viral. People really loved it. Um, but essentially, you know, th- th- there was, you know, of course, the history with BET that they had, and they were trying for years to make it happen up to that point. Right. And uh, since then, I've been able to develop a lot of relationships with people on BET and the executive side and all of that. But essentially, long story short, um, my trailer was, you know, it definitely helped um, get the public interest, grease the wheel, had all the fellas sign on and make it happen. So it, it definitely did play a part. The executives did confirm that for sure. So I'm at least happy. Even though I wasn't able to be part of it or called to be part of it, unfortunately. Um, you know, I'm blessed to know that, you know, what I did and what we did because, you know, again, we're new edition fans. Right. So the fact that they got their story told and it was one of the top 
miniseries of all time. Like, you know, I, I'm pretty secure and happy with that. And it also showed me to trust my voice. Because when I was telling people, like, who wants to see a movie about that? Who wants to see a movie about Bobby Brown? Like, what is it? And I had to learn to trust me. Because well, I would have just said, like, you know what? No, nah, I, I don't know why I'm pushing it. Somebody's really selling it. But my voice told me to trust myself and my instinct. And that's pretty much what I do to this day. And it hasn't steered me wrong yet. Hey, hell yeah. That's what's up. So, like, <laughs> so I know, like, those, like, productions and all of that aren't cheap. So were you able, like, to, get, like, get funding? Or are you self-funded, like, all these projects? Um, So it kind of just changes and evolves. I think at that time I was interning uh, with uh, this guy named Chet Brewster. Shout out to Chet. He's like my industry father. And he did a lot of the old Tyler Perry plays and different plays and concerts and things, whatever's happening in Atlanta in terms of live events. He's probably the one filming or directing it. So it was more so I was editing for him at the time. And I was just working in the back, like, hey, do you mind if I do this little project on the weekends or whatever? He's like, sure, have at it. He didn't really know what I was doing. He just saw these little dudes running in and out and dancing and stuff in the back and making all this noise. And then six, six months later, I showed him, like, okay, here it is. And then he's like, oh, okay. So at that point, I pretty much just used all of his gear, all of this stuff, you know. And, you know, I, and from the work I was getting from him, I was able to, like, pay for, you know, food and clothes and hair, whatever else that we need to pay for. But it was mostly just using my um, resources, my community, my people. And I pretty much followed that um, kind of thing. But through the years, you know, of course, it's gotten a little bit more expensive you know, I have to, you know, go up a few levels with each one where I have, you know, better camera equipment, more experienced people, uh, you know, and all of that. So all that stuff does eventually cost. So, like, the latest one I just put out, it did cost a little pretty pretty, right. you know, for me. So, <laughs> with each one, I got to try to outdo myself with better production value. Now, kids, what he just said is a prime example of it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Because <laughs> OG sure. let him use the facilities and, and look what he made, you know, just doing that on the weekends. And hell yeah, man, that's dope. So, <laughs> all right, so you mentioned the five heartbeats. So, mm -hmm. like two days ago, I get like the most randomest fucking message ever from Michael Wright, the guy who played Eddie Kang. We've been yes. we've been Facebook friends for years. Never spoke. I like it's like three a.m. I'm just getting in my car and shit, and it's like dark, so I'm like looking around, and then I get a I get a notification on like Messenger, and it says, "Who the hell are you?" And I'm like, "What the fuck?" So I'm like, "I'm like, is somebody, I'm like, is somebody else watching me?" And then I look, and it says Michael Wright, and I'm like, "The actor." So then I go to the, <laughs> yeah, we've never spoken before. We've been Facebook friends for maybe 10 years or longer, never talked. And I'm like, he just randomly just sent me this message. So I hit him back. I was like, hey, I'm an actor. I'm a podcaster. I'm also a comedian. Whoop de whoop. Oh, uh, I've been a fan. Of, I've been a fan of your work for years. And, but he hasn't responded back yet. But I was like, that is like the most randomest shit to get to like 3.30 in the morning, a message from Michael Wright saying, who the hell are you? And I was like, why would he send me this? Like, it wasn't like I commented or we had some sort of interaction. I thought it was just random as shit. So hopefully he responds back. I will put it up in the air. Michael Wright, Wright will respond back. We'll get him on the podcast because I got hella questions from Five Heartbeats to a bunch of other shit that he's done. But 
Shout out to the OG. Yeah, man. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was wild. Okay, so let's talk about oh matter of fact, well, tell us what was like the first project that you did that was like that took off? Um, yeah, I definitely feel it was, you know, the, the new edition joint. Cause that was, you know, where I just decided like, Hey, I'm going to put something out there. I'm going to make as much noise as possible. I'm very passionate about this. I feel strongly about this. Um, so that was definitely that one. Uh, before there was, I, I, I had a history of getting in my own way and second guessing myself and being too scared to put things out. So I made, uh, when I, finished film school the first time uh, I think it was probably three years before that um, I did this 1940s screwball buddy comedy with a couple of my homies kind of like Life meets Harlem Night meets Color Purple all those movies that we grew up watching and loving okay. and we just you know did it it took us like two years and we would just film and just you know it was just a lot of fun and it was crazy but so I did this whole feature film and, you know, we put out clips and little trailers and stuff like that. And it was starting to gain momentum and, you know, doing a little bit of going viral or whatever version of going viral was at that, at that time. But I was so scared to put it out. Eventually, like I just canned it and never did anything with it. And so that's why I, I went and, you know, I went back to school and tried to rebuild my confidence. Like, no, the next thing I do, I have to put it out. I have to go for it. It's not hiding behind my ego and my fears and stuff. So new edition would definitely be, you know, that project for me. Okay. So what I noticed, it seems like your niche is like to do like spoofs. Is that what you would consider like a spoof or like a flip? Um, so I, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to, um, how to, you know, qualify it, you right. know, cause really, you know, it kind of goes back to, again, you know, my love for Matt TV and them doing spoofs of, you know, different movies and music videos and stuff like that. So that's been embedded in my DNA as a creative. And in between doing my other projects and my feature films and all those things, I intend to do one a year, you know, to just kind of make the internet go crazy and make people talk and, you know, just have fun with it. So it's something I definitely want to continue to do. Um, but what exactly to name it or what to call it, I'm not exactly sure, but like, yeah, spoof, a spin, because, you know, not all of them are comedic right. uh, by nature, but it, it's still, you know, some sort of a calling card um, just to kind of just let people know how my creative mind works. I like, you know, taking things that you don't necessarily see melded together or, you know, hints of nostalgia and just, you know, really just mess with people's minds a little bit. So, but it, it definitely is a part of me creatively and I love doing them. I just haven't figured out <laughs> what exactly to a, call them yet but it's just fun we have a lot of fun doing them and i like that you have like a dark twist to like the story like that right there is like what makes it like so great like how they did like with bel-air when they remade it like how they made it like darker you know what i'm saying and like when mm -hmm. i was when i was looking at like the pam and tommy i looked at it again i was just like man like that concept was like so dope that you took martin which was a hell of a comedic show it just made it so dark. And also something that I noticed, you take real situations from like the original and incorporate it in, uh, in your films. Like you see like Cole on the ground and then you see a fat chick walking away. It's like, oh, Big Shirley. 
when he's like clipping his nails and the different stuff like that. You know, like with the, my brother and me, when uh when uh Didi's like hit me, hit me, I'm like, oh shit, I remember that from the the original show. So I love how you, you know what I'm saying, you throw that in there and if I guess if you don't really know the original or didn't like pay attention, that's gonna go over your head. But like the ones who know, know. And I like I like when like artists and creators like do that, man. Like they do their own, but then they also show like the homage and they throw that in there, you know what I'm saying? For like the the OGs out there that saw it first. Oh, for sure, yeah. We definitely like to hide little nuggets and, and moments of Easter eggs. I remember there was one person, uh, I forgot his name. I think his name was Thaddeus or something. He did a video where he broke down every scene, almost frame by frame, of all the references from Martin. And a lot of things, you know, he, he was on, he was like right on with. And there was a whole bunch of things that we didn't even realize that we did. It was were unintentional. So I was like, oh, yeah, 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 we did that. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he was just so on the ball. And, like, that, that's what I love. It just makes it fun and makes it a whole 360 type of experience with people. Cause, you know, we all grew up watching these things and enjoying these things. So you're able to, like, get, like, almost a crash course of all the different moments and elements that you, you, you remember watching as a kid or whatever. And uh, it just makes it fun. And that was that's the most fun part for me is how to incorporate that. Especially with the, my brother and me, you know, it was a bit of a headache for me to like figure out because everybody's gonna be waiting for that hit me moment. You know what I'm saying? So right. I had to figure out like what's the best place to put it, in what context, the best moment, just to try to make it make sense because it had to make sense, you know, and not be corny. I didn't want it to be corny. Hell yeah! And yeah, people have been losing their mind when we play it like in person. Like we had a few screens here in Atlanta. Like people are clapping their hands, something they see, they lose their mind every time, and I'm like. Okay, we did it. Okay, so we so figured it out. <laughs> so this one is a, is a full feature film. Oh no no no! It's a short. So pretty much all of you know these things you know uh, with our auntie, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Pam and Tommy and all those other things. Even um, uh, Nana Roxy's Revenge, which was a, a play on Roxanne Roxanne, which was on Netflix. Right, they are a part of like. I guess you would call it like a super trailer or a very extended right. long piece or even a short film. It's probably easier to say like a, a short film. So that range anywhere from like 10 to, I think the longest we have is like my brother and me, which is a little over 20 minutes. So yeah, a short film. Cause I want to uh, make sure, you know, cause you know, you take all these time to set up these scenes with lighting and camera and all these different things. I was like, okay, we might as well make this a whole scene so that the actors can get into the moment and, you know, they can have something for their reels, you know, so it's like an authentic piece as opposed to, okay, just stand here to say this line. Okay, okay, we're going to go to a different scene. Okay, let's stand here and you say this line. Like, no, I like to just build it so it can organically feel real in the moment so they can, you know, get into the character. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> let's, uh, which ones I don't want to talk? All right, so, any of those trailers that you've done, was there anybody from like the original that like responded or was like, Hey, don't do that. Or, Hey, we like that. Or like no one has said anything. Oh, well, what, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, which project? Who? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a lot of like communications, if not with the person and their teams and stuff like that. So I, uh, especially with uh, most recently with my brother and me, I was very excited that the two creators of the show they 
have the people reach out to me. And, um, you know, you never really know what the, you know, conversation is going to be or what, you know, what they thought. So I was kind of like holding my breath. Like, okay, all right, what's about to happen? Yeah. But when I tell you I got so much love on that call, on those calls, and they, they were so appreciative and they get it, yeah. you know, and, and, and you, you love it when they get it. And, um, and even with, um, you know, the Martin TV show, um, Pam and Tommy, I was in heavy communication with Martin's team. I was in heavy communication with BET and they definitely had some interest to move forward. So it was like six months of constant communication, but ultimately they were like, well, we don't really have the right to the show. So there's not much we can do. Uh, and when I do these things, they're not really, um, for outside of, you know, the new edition thing. They weren't really for me to create like a bigger vision or try to actually turn it into like actual show or a new movie or some sort of reboot. It is just to exercise my creativity and get, you know, people talking and just having fun and, you know, just really enjoying it and possibly fostering some, you know, new relationships for, you know, original pieces and things that I do. So I don't really like have expectations in that regard. But, you know, being able to build those, you know, relationships organically and, you know, just um, keep doing things bigger and better each time. I, I really just enjoy the process. It's all about enjoying, you know, the process. What triggers your mind to to do like to do these like when you like the the auntie, my brother and me, Pam and Tommy, like like how, how did that come up, man? Tell us. Um, it's a few different things. Um, you know, I'm just a follower of the culture. I, I try to keep my eyes and ears pinned to the ground in terms of what people are talking about because you know they'll tell you what they want to see, what they feel like they're missing or lacking out there in the market, what they're tired of seeing. And uh, especially with, you know, um, auntie, uh, you know, it's pretty much about the whole Fresh Prince Bel-Air situation where, of course, the original actress got replaced right after the third season. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, much love to both actresses, you know, it's not about picking and choosing who's better and this and that. But, of course, a lot of people have a lot of love and affinity for the original actress. And, of course, me being in the industry, I can understand a lot of the things behind the scenes that can happen that can make, you know, work a little bit more difficult than it needs to be. So certain things need to happen and people need to separate. I get it. But it was more so my response to, like, the general public. Like, hey, what's going on? Like, they, they felt, like, so out of the mix in terms of, like, the story, the behind the scenes. And there was just, like, a lot of noise and yelling and back and forth. And... I will say that, you know, within six months of Auntie coming out and going viral and we got a lot of um, news coverage and stuff, like the original actress, I think uh, her name is uh, Janet Hubert. Right. She reconnected with Will Smith in the cast and she's been working ever since. So I'm not saying that we had anything really to do with that, but, you know, it was just great to put that back out in the cultural zeitgeist and putting her in position for her to rightfully come back home and reclaim her throne. You know what I'm saying? So so that's what's pretty much all about, just paying attention to what people are talking about, what they want to see. And, of course, it was at that time, you know, the great Jordan Peele thriller horror, you know, get out in us. So we added that, those motifs in there. And, you know, just made it uh, very uh, timely. Very timely. Hell yeah. And let's let's talk about your newest project, My Brother and Me. I feel like... I feel like Nickelodeon really dropped the ball on that show because it was super successful. Only had one season, like a, like eleven or thirteen episodes. And about three years ago, I went down a little rabbit hole in uh, on YouTube, and they had like I think maybe all the episodes 
on there. So I watched them, and I was like, man, I remember like in the third grade, you know, watching this and just having that nostalgia. So, man, all right, talk to us, man. Tell us about your newest project, My Brother and Me. Well, um, I had to do this for my inner goo. I looked just like goo when I was younger, so I got called goo a lot. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. So, I mean, it was just always in the back of my mind, you know, this show. And, you know, of course, representation is everything because we didn't really see ourselves that much, especially in uh, children's programming. Right, right. And uh, and so, you know, as always, there's there's a multi-reasons of, you know, why I do the things that I do, but I've never done a crime drama before, ironically, up to this point. It's not really my uh, genre, so to speak. Okay. Um, So I I figured, like, hey, take a crime drama and mix it with, you know, a Nickelodeon kids show, you know, and then, of course, if the people who are true fans of the show, they understand where the actors are, you know, how their lives kind of, you know, you know, evolved from being kids to now they're adults. And so I thought that was an interesting way to uh, incorporate that into the storyline now. And, yeah, we just took it all into a big pot and we just mixed it. And um, the responses have been bananas. <laughs> that's pretty much uh, how, how we came into it. Uh, yeah, that's my brother and me. And uh, bam. A lot of people don't realize that Amanda Seals was in the show. Right. Yeah. Right. She's probably like the only really successful one who had longevity from that from that show. So I noticed um, uh, go ahead. No, you got it. Yeah, and I, I think I read like the mom died a couple years ago. Right, right. And in the fuller, you know, version we also, you know, give, you know, you know, a moment of acknowledgement of that. Oh, and how man. that also yeah, and how that also had an effect on, you know, the, the family, and you know, within the actual sense of the show, you know, what caused them to kind of splinter off the way that they did. So, yeah, we, we did our research and all of those things and just incorporated all of those elements into the storyline. All right. So we mentioned how you use themes from like the original in the new mm-hmm. one, in the new one. Does Dee Dee get a fucked up haircut? <laughs> no, I didn't do Was that D Doctor Money? No, no. <laughs> you know when you do stuff like that, when you actually want to mess up the actors' heads, like that costs money. Yeah, <laughs> really, you know they really have that kind of money, so you know. But I think there's there's enough little, uh, you know, uh, inside stuff uh, that that can kind of you know make people feel satisfied. You know, in there, even when with Amanda Seals, like we've even incorporated, you know, her as you know uh, the personality that she is, and even a little bit of her character on Insecure. So okay. we've added traces of all those things to kind of just give it like, oh, okay, okay. So if you really pay attention, you'll there's quite enough in there to have fun with. Is is Dee Dee's homeboys in there? The white dude and the black dude? Ah, uh, no, They're not I, okay. I didn't go back. To <laughs> okay. I was I was thinking about it, but yeah, no, I didn't go there. So you've been doing the screenings in Atlanta. Are you gonna take the show on the road and do screenings otherwhere, other places, or will the will the film be placed online so people can see it? Um, I haven't really. I know we have one more screening in Atlanta that I'm very excited about on the first. Okay. Uh, and we are currently in talks to do uh, a screening in LA. Oh, wow. Well, so, 
when that's ready to, you know, be announced, I'll, I'll announce it shortly. But I, it wasn't really my plan to, you know, um, tour it or uh, I might do like different clips, like release it online, just different moments, different things. So that that's still a possibility. So, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Like, how long does it take you to film these projects? Oh, uh, well, this one took a little bit longer. We started filming like right before the strike started. And um, my goal was to put this out in June. But with the, the temperament of the industry, it just didn't really seem right at that time. And, you know, while we were waiting and, you know, just trying to figure things out and make things happen, I kept adding more things to it. So I would call my actors back like, hey, I want to add this to you. So we were still filming. We were actually still filming even up to a few weeks ago. I wanted to add a little bit more action and fighting and, you know, blood and all those things. But I was like, yeah, I want to add a little bit more, more, um, elements to it so you know every once in a while we just come back and just film for a couple of hours and just add moments um typically so i guess all together we had like five initial days when we filmed and then we just added a sprinkled in a few more days so overall the past six months i'll say probably like eight days worth of filming okay yeah a lot, right of, a, a lot of people don't know the the real hard part is the editing and going through all of that stuff yeah for sure. I uh, edit my own stuff. Uh, I would love to stop. <laughs> but yeah, I edit my own stuff. So that's what gives it, I guess, that Bobby Huntley feel. And, you know, people say I have a certain style and things. So, um, yeah. And that's why having like different screeners that are so important, you know, it's a way to kind of test it. Like, oh, okay, I like that. I like how the audience reacted. Oh, they didn't really actually react here in the moment that I want. Okay, let me see what I can do to kind of spruce it up and add different things. So by the time it comes out, you know, I've already had two or three different screenings and able to like really get it to a place where I feel like, okay, yeah, they were responding exactly the way I feel that they should. You mentioned the strike. Did that affect you in any way? <laughs> in all the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, it was just a, a weird time, man. And um, almost similar to, you know, how the pandemic was for everybody. And you're getting a lot of this misinformation. You don't know what you can do, what you can't do. Um, and I'm, I'm not even in any union, but I'm union adjacent. And then there were even talks of like all creative people just stop being creative and start whatever you're doing in solidarity. And I'm like, hold up, wait, what? So it was just like we didn't really know <laughs> which way to move. But, you know, um, and then, you, of course, you know, everything kind of trickled down. The work wasn't really coming and, you know, life was rising. So it all kind of hit and affected us in different ways. Right. And um, things just kind of worked out to where to, you know, here it was about to be October and realizing, like, oh, wow, this is actually my brother and me's 29th anniversary. It would be dope to put it out this month. And, you know, it, timing-wise, it just really worked out in that way. So, you know. Yeah, just gotta trust the timing and not really try to push too much if it don't just feel right. Did you ever figure out why Nickelodeon just stopped filming that show? <laughs> um, so there's a few different um documentaries like on YouTube and different things that has a lot of great information and you know, interviewing with the uh, creators of the show, uh Calvin and um uh, Alunga. Um, from what I understand of the situation, and again, you know, please feel free to peruse those documentaries. There was a lot of like, uh, 
I guess, uh, creative differences within the team and then also with Nickelodeon, too. So it was just more so the, the infrastructure probably wasn't properly in place creatively where they could all agree on what to do uh, in the, with the next season, which is, of course, unfortunate for all of us. But, you know, it does happen. It happens a lot. Damn. Yeah, that was my show, and I, it just went away. And I was like, damn, what happened to that show, man? Uh, shout out to uh, Reggie. I think he goes by Showbiz now. He, he oh, of yeah, course, he's, was he's uh, rapping. Alfie. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. reached out to us almost immediately as soon as it went out. Like, he saw oh, it so fast. Yeah. And the love that he gave each of us and our actors and, you know, just the excitement that he had made me feel really good. Because, you know, I can understand, like, from, like, a child actor perspective and probably not getting as much of um, what you, you, you should get. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm happy that he loved the love that we gave him and the character, and he shared it everywhere. So shout out to him. He's been really great. Hell yeah. I saw that you posted the other day something about you're working with Forbes. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh, well, no, that's just a membership where, you know, they, you know, handpick uh, different entrepreneurs, creatives, and different things of that nature to um, provide um, counseling, to provide mentorship. And, you know, because, you know, film business is a business. Right. So I definitely wanted more hands-on, you know, um, help in, in that degree and just navigating and, and building my companies and thriving in that way, especially, you know, uh, post-strike or, you know, we're still in the midst of the strike. So I'm very excited to be selected to be part of that elite group. And, you know, hey, help me, you know, <laughs> get this thing uh, going where it needs to go. Because, you know, like I said, it's a business. I want to make sure everything is run the right way and I have access to the resources that you know a lot of you know black uh, entrepreneurs uh, seem to lack sometimes so I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity hell yeah and then one day you'll be on the Forbes list for like one of the highest paid directors man we're gonna put it out there hey man you better speak it yeah. I deserve all of that <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah and I also saw that you got invited to the is it okay is it Cons or cans? Because some bougie white folks will say one way and then other people will say another way. So can you tell us what have you learned from your experience because you was over there? Oh, yeah. I went twice. So, I, yeah. Um, so there's two different um, things. So um, it, it's can. Cans, okay. Without a shock, I'm like, are you sure? It's just can? <laughs> so, if I know, yeah, it's can. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I kind of split the difference. I say, I say con. So it's like, you know, split. Like, it's like con, but can. So like, whatever. I'm saying it's like that. But, uh, yeah, so uh, one of our films entitled, or short films entitled TNT, it placed in the Diversity in Cannes Festival um, back in 2021. Okay. And that was an amazing experience. I loved it. Cannes is a beautiful city. It's like Miami, but, you know. It's like in France, it France right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's in the French Riviera, you know, get on a little boat and, you know, hit all these beautiful islands and stuff. It is one of my favorite things. I'm a Franco style, so I love French classes, and, you know, in the language when I was in high school. So, okay. you know, I was living my best life. And then, of course, I went back the following year because I remember that uh, feature I told you I did the Harlem Nights, Color Purple Life kind of movie. So yeah. I did a documentary feature about me making this movie with my friends and me developing anxiety and getting in my head and never putting the movie out and everybody hating me. So I got everybody back together 10 years later and we made a documentary about the whole thing. So that documentary was invited to come out uh, 
to screen in Cannes, they have a African diaspora film festival over there. I forgot the exact name. Please forgive me. But that was really beautiful because we had a chance to meet, you know, people all across the African diaspora, you know, and um, it was one of the most beautiful and trans- transformative experiences in my life to see just my people out there thriving and being beautiful from all across the world. Yeah. And um, I just invite everybody, no matter where you go or where you decide to do, get that passport and go. We were blessed to have a few people on our team that never have left the United States ever. And they noticed the instant stress alleviating off your shoulders that we're born with here in this country. Man. Like they noticed it and they saw that and they understood that. I pretty much, that's been my life because, you know, I've lived overseas as a, as a kid. So, you know, constantly in and out, like I just kind of saw the world, you know, through the world lens. So I, I was always blessed with that. So shout out to my mom and dad for, you know, having that be a part of my DNA. But a lot of people don't have that experience. So whatever you can do, y'all, please just get a passport and just go to different places and experience, this, and experience different ways of life. You know, a couple of them even want to, you know, take their kids and just go and just try different things and experience a different life. So try it out. Yeah. I, I, beautiful talk, experience. I talk a lot about traveling on here because, you know, I'm an avid traveler. So I'm always saying, like, you know, get your passport, especially for the black folks, you know, because like growing up. I only knew like white folks that was like going overseas. The only black people that I knew that was like went overseas was like military folk or whatever. And I was like, man, I, there's so much shit in this world I want to go see. So I got like like a year and a half left before my passport expires, and it's almost stamped up. So I think my next trip, I'm gonna go to Abu Dhabi next month, you know, for my birthday and just hang out. Oh, man. I love that for you. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, where overseas did you live at as a kid? I lived in um, Sicily. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, hell yeah. What was y'all doing over there? Oh, well, you know, military, but my dad was in the Marines. Okay. Hell yeah. All right, can you tell us about <laughs> the movie The Pass? Because I saw it online. There's some Facebook groups that I was in about, like, Tubi or whatever, and people was, like, talking about that. And it was like, oh, yeah, Candy has a new movie out. You know, it's pretty good. And then when I was looking looking it up, I was like, oh, I didn't know Bobby had directed that. So can you talk about, man, that opportunity that you had? Yeah, yeah. So I got a chance to meet a candy and Todd about three years ago. I had another uh, short film, like, you know, uh, the, the trailers we talked about called uh, Corona Man, which was a spin on Candyman. Uh-huh. So, of course, we were right at the top of the pandemic. And that went viral, went crazy. And, you know, uh, uh, they reached out. And we've been in communication um, somewhat since then, trying to find different projects to do together. And uh, it turns out that Todd had this project he's been trying to do for years called The Past. And uh, I was brought on to that, and um, yeah, we made it happen. And I was really happy because I know that Todd really wanted to be able to uh, solidify himself as a movie producer and um, get his brand out there and show people what he could do. So, you know, me and my team, we were able to, you know, make that happen and, you know, got him the number one movie on Peacock. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah, so I, I'm, 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 I was happy to kind of, you know, help him make that happen. Hell yeah. And I mentioned Tubi. I saw that you had some movies on Tubi. So when you tell people like, oh, you have movies on Tubi, do they automatically assume it's some like little bullshit? Because, you know, there's some good stuff on Tubi and then there's a lot of like, this This would only make it on Tubi and nowhere else. See, that's the thing. Sometimes you just got to let people be people because they have actual 
um, you know, studio films, major films on Tubi as well. So a lot right. of our films are right next to, you know, the classes that we grew up watching, you know, you know, and it's owned by Fox. And the thing that I'll say to that is, I understand what people are trying to say. Sometimes they make jokes and try to make light, but, you know, I always support people who create things, regardless of the quality. Like, if you have something in your mind and you commit it to paper and you get people together to execute it into a finished product and it gets on any platform, like, that's worthy of being, you know, praised. And a lot of it, you know, sometimes I think it, it's at this point now where, you know, creatives learn that people love to hate watch. And hate watch and going viral equates to views, which equates to money. So they're making a lot of money doing that. So a lot of these people are falling into these traps you know, every time. And, you know, hey, I understand. And there's going to be some things I want to do where we kind of have fun with that. So I might do some hate watching things <laughs> in the near future. So I don't, I don't look down on anything of that because, you know, you're getting your work out there and people are talking about it and you're getting a lot of eyes and buzz on it. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So definitely keep supporting, you know, the different filmmakers and films on Tubi because from what my eyes have seen, it created a, it, Tubi created a situation where independent filmmakers can get paid and be able to take care of themselves and their families and their community in ways that a lot of other platforms haven't been able to do. Yeah. So I have to educate a few, I have to educate a few, you know, viewers and, you know, uh, commenters and, you know, our community because they don't really know the difference. They don't have the insights. I just give them that little insight like, hey, support us. Keep watching because a lot of the filmmakers, they want to get better. They want to do better. They have to do these kinds of things in order to build their brand or their views or the funding up to do the bigger projects that they feel like they want to do. So keep supporting them. That's right. And I was looking at some of those movies and I was like, it must be super easy to get your flick on Tubi. I was like, because like some of them, I was like, I don't know how the hell they made it. <laughs> they made it. I was like, I guess man, Tubi gave gives hope to a lot of people out there, you know. And, and I'm all about, I'm all about, you know, what I'm saying, if you have your dream, go ahead and follow it and stuff like that. But I was like, whew, some of y'all was a little rough. Yeah, it is, but uh, yeah, it definitely is. But it's giving opportunities and it's creating <laughs> jobs and it's you know making some people's dreams come true. And you know, somebody's auntie wanted to be an actress all her life, and now she finally get a chance to. And she's on a major platform doing what she loves to do. So <laughs> I'm with it. That's right. For me, like five years ago, like, I didn't know how am I supposed to get my movie on different platforms? How am I supposed to get people to watch it? How, how, how do you do this? How do you make money as an independent filmmaker? All this time, my eyes were on Hollywood waiting for John Singleton or Spike Lee to see my, you know, viral things. Oh, yeah, you're, you're the next one. Come join me and join what I'm doing. Waiting for Tyler Perry to give me the opportunity. You know, nine times out of ten, it doesn't really happen that way. That's right. You have to build your own audience. You have to build your own buzz and build your own situation. You know, I wish it wasn't always that way, but that's the reality of the situation. Everybody has to build their own. And um, now we're in a time and space where we can do that. Because even 20 years ago, it was, it was seemingly impossible for somebody to be like, oh, I want to make a movie. I only got $5 in a drink, but I'm going to get my people around the hood and we're going to make this movie and we're going to put it up and put it out there. That's right. So we're an amazing uh, uh, black Renaissance content right now. So I embrace it. Hell yeah. So what's next for Bobby? 
Oh, um, yeah. So uh, a lot more feature films. You know, I'm slowly edging my way out of doing shorts right now. Um, you know, in different genres, going to do like uh, horror, drama. You know, different things like that. I'm very excited for the future, expanding my company. And like I said, every year we're going to bring you a new spoof or spin on a much loved TV show or movie. So that's just my way for me to have fun and play around because you know, making movies and features. It's very, very serious business. It takes a long time. It's very tense, you know. Um, but with these, you know, shorter, you know, spoofs, as you were, you know, we can have a little bit more fun and breathe and relax and, you know, just create. So it's just a throwback to, you know, the 10-year-old me having fun with my, my dad's camera. So um, I'm just going to keep creating and making more movies and more films and, you know, give my name and my buzz and keep building this uh, legacy that I'm working so hard to build. So. That's what we're doing next. And the, whenever you have a, another casting call, let me know so I can audition. I need a role in something, man. I hear that. I hear that for sure, for sure, for sure. And uh, definitely, yeah, check out my uh, films on Tubi. We have uh, the Charlie movie, uh, which is a beautiful, you know, celebration of black women, and, you know, black girl magic. Uh, so definitely enjoy that. And then also Connect, which is a, a sci-fi kind of drama kind of a film. So. Uh, y'all will really enjoy that. If you want to see something different, you know, check your boy out. Just uh, look me up on Tubi by my name, Bobby Hunt. Yeah. And, uh, those one, more, one more question before we get out of here. Oscar Emmy Awards, is that a goal of yours? Or are you just like, you know what? I just want the money and to get my projects out there. <laughs> um, well, I would say that everybody wants to be recognized by whatever the top caliber of recognition is in their field. So I want to work in a space where the quality and the execution of my work deserves such accolades as those. The way for me to do that is to keep my head down, stay focused on what I feel that I'm called here to do, give all glory and honor to God, and just do my best I'll do myself with each project and one day I'll get that top on my shoulder and it says, you've been nominated for this. You've been nominated for that. And when that day comes, I'll be grateful. But until then, it's all about the work and just trying to make my people proud. Hell yeah. And can you tell the people where can they find you and some of your work? Sure. Uh, Bobby Huntley. I'm pretty Googleable. BobbyHuntleyFilms.com. B Huntley Films across all social media, and uh, I'm in these streets. Reach out to me, inbox me, you know, and uh, we'll chop it up. And you know, I'm out here. All right, man. Thank you, man. And and if you bring the my brother and me to L.A., let me know, man. I'll definitely love to come check that out. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds like it's gonna be an early November. So as soon as you get the confirmation, I'll definitely let you and you people know. Thank you, man. Take it easy, bro. And thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Take it easy. Later.